the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Barton Simmons. I'm Chip Patterson. Huge week for you here on the Cover 3 Podcast at CBS Sports, cbssports.com, CBS Sports HQ, 24-7 Sports. We are doing two things at the same time. We are taking all of our efforts and we are putting them towards conference championship Saturday and selection Sunday. Uh, the bowls, the playoff, all of it's going to be decided by the time we meet back here on Monday of next week. At the same time, we are throwing all of our effort. That's right, double all of our all of our effort at National Signing Day, which, of course, Wednesday is the big day. The official signing period runs Wednesday to Friday. Uh, we are going to have wall-to-wall coverage from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Wednesday on CBS Sports HQ. Uh, tons to break down there. And so here on this podcast, we're going to do both. We're going to start out uh, sort of in the now, in the college football that is, and then we'll do the college football, the future, National Signing Day Uh Barton, you've gotten all your uh, gotten good nutrition. I hope. I hope that we've gotten like all of our, our notes together. Um, it's, it's it's a big week for you as you prepare to be you know among there with Bud Elliott, Steve Wiltfong, Josh Pate, and more uh, on the analysts for that nine a.m. to six p.m. show. We'll be doing a recap after you get offset. Uh, whenever you get back to the uh, the homestead and you get your OMV poured. We'll do a little uh, Wednesday night signing day reaction show. Uh, how are you feeling here on this Monday? Um, I'm feeling good. I mean, eight hours is a long time. I'm not. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know how the bathroom breaks are going to work or the the lunch break. Um, I I hope there's a lot of news. I'm a little nervous. Yeah, just to sit there for eight hours. Just talk all day long. Just hope I have enough to say. You I, th- know? I think they'll give you shifts. I mean, we've been, I think that I've been a part of uh, long CBS Sports HQ sh- streams before, and you can, you can find some time to grab a water or some lunch or, or sure. use the restroom. You'll be all right. Sure. Yeah. I just I hadn't had to, I hadn't had to, to, to devote my attention span to anything like that since COVID hit because I'm constantly being disrupted by, little hellions anyways. And so I don't know how sharp my mind is right now. I, I know that there are Twitch streamers that do 24 hour streams and they don't seem to be bothered by sitting there for 24 hours. So I think you should just suck it up for do it for eight. You'll be fine. They're machines. They're machines. All right. If, if some, if some 18 year old kid hopped up on Mountain Dew and do it for 24, <laughs> yeah. you can do it for eight. <laughs> you know, those guys are all on Adderall. Yes. They're all hopped up on some pills. Well, now we I know what we I'm, need I'm, to get. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. There are 
a lot of headlines. It's already been a very busy Monday. And again, we were just with you with Instant Reaction Emergency Podcast for Gus Malzahn on Sunday. Since then, uh, uh, multiple reports are pointing towards Clark Lee going to Vanderbilt. We will get to that. Art Bryles has resigned from his position. And normally, a coach at that level resigning does not end up getting a top headline on the uh, little sidebar. So the question is, where is Art Bryles going if he's resigning? Uh, the latest on Auburn as more reports continue to bring up names. I think that that search, you know, it is Hugh Freeze, I think, but there have been a lot of interesting candidates at least worth considering. Uh, we've got former Georgia or Georgia quarterback Dewan Mathis is transferring to Temple. The ACC has named its commissioner to follow after John Swafford. That will be Jim Phillips, Northwestern Athletic Director. But we begin in the Pac-12 because uh, we are going to be spending a lot of time this week looking ahead to the conference championship games and uh, undefeated USC in the Pac-12 championship. They had to spend some time in the last 24 to 48 hours preparing for both Washington and Oregon as reports started to indicate that Washington might not be able to meet the threshold to be able to play. Finally, the news comes out. They did not have enough scholarship players available, according to the Pac-12. Then uh, some elaboration from Washington head coach Jimmy Lake. Y'all see how many uh, offensive linemen he said they had available? Zero. Zero. Goose egg. Big Huskies ain't got no offensive linemen. How are we going to watch this like 14 personnel, four tight ends team without no offensive linemen? So Washington's out, Oregon's in. I mean, Tom, like you you make some some good jokes about the Pac-12. Every uh, every conference does what's best for itself, and this is the pack, and the Pac-12 does whatever's worst for itself. Mm-hmm. Does this fall back into that folder, or is this yes. sort of? It? <laughs> I mean, again, like I, I said on the show the other day the Pac-12 put itself in a situation where its best team and its lone hope for a playoff spot, however slim that might be, is playing on a short week against a team that'll be on a bye. And then they compound that by making USC prepare for two teams on a short week because they're saying, well, it's Washington, but it might not be Washington. It might be Oregon if Washington can't play. And if Washington doesn't have a single offensive lineman available to it because of, you know, COVID and then contact tracing, I feel like you probably should have known earlier that it was going to be Oregon and you could have given USC that information so they could, you know, instead of wasting time preparing for Washington, they could just prepare for Oregon. But at least the Pac-12 made the decision today because there had been some talk that like there was no real deadline for when Washington had to pull out of the game if it was going to happen and they were having both Oregon and Colorado out to LA to play the game on Saturday in case any of the other two teams couldn't play. So it's just, it's an absolute mess. I think USC gets screwed a lot. I think Washington is screwed because you know, they, they can't play in a conference title game and they spent a lot of work trying to get there. And because of this situation, they can't get out. And I think Colorado gets screwed really badly too, because now Colorado has got to go to LA in case USC can't play. And it's probably not going to have a game because Washington's out and it was going to play Oregon. So now Colorado's got to do all this stuff to go prepare and they have to be as a backup and they're probably not going to play and they're going to lose another game after they've already lost a bunch of games this year beyond things that were out of their control. And it's just the Pac-12. Ta-da! Yeah, I think it's, it's kind of... They should just put Colorado in there. Just pick the best team. Who cares? This is a silly 
stupid season anyways. We're all making it up as we go. Yo, it was almost Stanford. It was yeah. almost Stanford. Oregon is tied for second in the Pac-12 North with Stanford with the three and two record, but has the tiebreaker because of the head-to-head win in the first week of Pac-12 play. Boy, it was almost Stanford. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that's so hilarious that USC on a short week was being forced to repair for two teams. Like, just, just bananas. And. Am I wrong, but is so far the ACC the only conference that has said, like, if we can't play our title game, the other team's just going to be declared champion? If we can't play our title game, then like Like Notre if Dame, Clemson can't play, then Notre Dame's the champion or so. You know what I mean? Oh, uh, uh, co-champions. I, this has been something, I, but I've only seen it from the Mountain West and I've only seen it from the American Athletic Conference where if one team can't play or if by any reason the game cannot be played, then they are just going to declare them co-champions. Okay. Well, the smart thing to do would just be to declare the higher ranked team champion. Well, you can't. De- so the ACC said, and I apologize for not having this prep. So the ACC said, if one team can't go, it's basically a forfeit. I, that's what I thought I saw. I wasn't sure. Oof. I didn't. Oh, I, I assumed you were saying you better wear your mask. Whoever was, whoever was ranked higher. Bef- like, like if, if Clemson canceled, if, if one of the teams couldn't play in the game, then whoever goes into that game atop the standings is the champion. Mm-hmm. That was the way I, that was the way I read. That's the way I took your statement. I don't know if that's accurate or not. I, yeah, what I saw was, I think it's, and I could be wrong. It could, I saw the tweet in passing. I didn't do a whole lot of, you know, diving in. I thought maybe what do you guys know, but it was that like, if Clemson can't play, Notre Dame will be declared champion. Or if Notre Dame can't play, Clemson will be declared oh, champion. So, so it would be sport. It would be a forfeit. Wear your mm-hmm. mask. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like wear your mask, wash your hands. You don't want to be the one to uh, end up costing your team a, a championship. I just think Kevin Warren should come out and say, if, if Northwestern can't play, Ohio state will be declared champion. If, if Ohio, Ohio state, state can't, can't play, play, Ohio state, state will be declared <laughs> champion. <laughs> oh man. Good stuff. All right. Uh, Clark Lee looks like it is going to be Vanderbilt's next head coach. Nashville native um, has done a fantastic job at Notre Dame. We've detailed him frequently from the Clark Lee fan club. Uh, now welcoming him in. I think that Barton is actually going to be the chaperone for Clark Lee's first couple of uh, weeks in Nashville. I understand you got to do it socially distant, but I mean, there's, there's some people that uh, some backyard barbecues that I'm sure, uh, you know, you can guide him to make sure to connect him with the right people, get him in the, in where he needs to be. Uh, You're a champion of Clark Lee. Do you think Vanderbilt's a good fit? I think it's a, I think it's a perfect hire. I think it's, I mean, I understand everyone's like, oh, DC to DC and, you know, you need to be some sort of a salesman at Vanderbilt or whatever. You can, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat. And I think. Gross. So the, <laughs> the way he approaches the game is, 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 I mean, he, he'll, he'll he's going, he is as good a player development coach as there is. Like, people look at his defenses and they, they think scheme and they think X's and O's and all that. But the reason their defenses are so good is because of the way those players develop. But, and so he's going to be a great player developer. He is a great recruiter. Um, he is someone that I think is going to be able to build out a strong staff because people are going to want to work for him. Uh, and he's, he's a guy from Vanderbilt from Nashville that is, is going to, I think, be able to unite 
of Vanderbilt community. Um, I just, you know, there's, I don't know how much I've said a lot about Clark Lee, so I don't, you know, I should, I should just sort of stop myself, but I think he's one of the best coaches that I've observed close up. More important than anything, do you have any insight into the fact that Clark Lee was a fullback at Vanderbilt? Will Vanderbilt have a fullback in its offense? <laughs> I cannot speculate on that. Uh, I just feel like if you were a fullback yourself, you have to do what you can to help save a, a dying breed of species in football. But we need Maybe to treat him up. like he was like a legendary former player. Like whatever jersey number Clark Lee had gets awarded to a different player each game and he gets to like run out of the tunnel like for no reason at all let's treat clark lee's vanderbilt tenure like it's frank beamer <laughs> at virginia tech where everybody wears the 25 on different days this is we're gonna really drive home this vanderbilt connection i i think that he is a very smart hire even without the personal connections uh, i mean like notre dame sports information does like a really good job of putting all these things together but they are impressive. 33 out of 36 opponents during Clark Lee's tenure as defensive coordinator have been held under 30 points. The defense is allowing just 17.1 points per game during the regular season. We throw out the Notre Dame bend but don't break defense in the process of HQ hits and trying to speak very quickly about what Notre Dame does well. But to your point, like that is coaching. That is player development. That is understanding how to teach your group to rise up. And like, yeah, you might be able to move the ball a little bit, but when when it comes to that key third down inside the 40 or down in the red zone, like they win, they win those plays. They win those downs. Um, you just, I, I look at Clark Lee and I think that he would have been uh, a great coach anywhere, even without those personal connections. Well, and, and I, and here's my biggest, this is sort of my, um, my one liner on, on, on Clark. Uh, I, the, all the, the things that make him a good coach, are not what makes great coordinators. They are what makes great head coaches. So that he has been a great coordinator is fortunate because it allows him to be a head coach. But his skill set, his traits, the, the way he approaches the game, the way he approaches personal relationships, the way he approaches roster building, culture building, and, and player development, those are the things that make great football teams, great head coaches. And like I said, fortunately, because he also managed to be a good defensive coordinator, he's going to have the opportunity to be a head coach. So right now, oh, do you have any more on Clark Lee? No, I was just going to say I'm, I'm a little sad that they didn't hire Jeff Munkin just because that dream dies for me. But well, I do but think your it's boys, a good hire. Your boys are going to hire Jeff Munkin now. Yeah, Don't but worry. see, here's the thing. I think, I think, if Illinois hires Jeff Munkin, they won't be running the triple option. I think that Vanderbilt might have. Mm, okay. So I was going to, with uh, about 24 hours or so of time, how, what, what's the latest and what are y'all's feels on, uh, on Auburn and uh, in Illinois? I think Auburn, I, I, I think Kevin Steele at Auburn is going to be a, a real, a, a real, possibility see i think it's smokescreen i think that now you've maybe, got us i think you've got to kill some time until the covid protocol is done and hugh freeze can come out of quarantine and so we've got to fill this time talking about all the other candidates so we're going to spend some time you know going around the way and we'll be like kevin Steele. you know he's got some people at auburn on his side mario cristobal certainly is like 
the, you know, you would think like a top of the line or a very attractive coach. We've mentioned Billy Napier, who sort of fits in at uh, any of these SEC places. We'll do this Steve Sarkeesian dance, Lane Kiffin. Like these are all interesting names, but, you know, as we sit here, a little over 24 hours after the announcement was made, by the way, shout out to the listener who said, Hey, like, Hey chip, it was after two fifteen. Like, did you, did you get out of having to work for it? Uh, no, I did not. We still did video in a, in a podcast, but, um, you know, 24 hours or so after the news broke, I'm still, I'm still at Hugh freeze. Yeah. Cause here's the th- like, nothing against Kevin Steele, because if you look at Auburn the last few years and you look at the offense and the defense, you can make the argument Kevin Steele was the best coach on that staff because his defense was the leader of that team for the most part. But are you spending $20 million to get rid of Gus Malzahn to promote your defensive coordinator? Well, who's spending the money? The $10 million that they need within 30 days is not coming from the school. It's coming from the boosters, right? Mm-hmm. So if the boosters are the ones that want Kevin Steele, if he's been making some backroom deals... Dude, if he stabbed Gus a, in the back <laughs> over the past couple of years or months or whatever it is, then yeah, it makes plenty of sense. He came back from that LSU Auburn game last year where Auburn's defense was like the only one to hold LSU under 30 points or whatever for the entire season. He met up with those boosters for dinner and said, I don't know what to tell you, boys. I did my job. <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw the odds on Kevin Steele are 20 to one. So I think there's good value there. Just saying. All right. What about this is just campfire stuff. This is none of my, I don't have any like firsthand reporting to be clear, but I think the campfire stuff I'm hearing about that is, is believable. You think so? I do. So should I put, should I put a little something on I'm Kevin Steele at 20 to one then? I think it's worth it. Worth a little sprinkle. All right. Yeah. Look, it's good. The 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 consistent narrative we've heard on the Auburn deal is that they have it figured out. Like they know who they're getting. Yeah. So that is I like it's it's either Kevin Steele or Hugh Freeze or who else would who else would fit that category of someone like that they know who they who who they're getting like they know they're Adam Gase like it's yeah because for that uh, you wouldn't say that they know they're getting Billy Napier correct right correct I mean Billy Napier yes that right I don't think that they like look Mario Cristobal is not going to tell Auburn yes before the Pac-12 championship game right yeah we'll see I just and I my suspicion is he I mean I guess he could but. I don't think that he would have. We'll get to signing day uh, stuff later, but uh, specifically in the Auburn case, high profile program often in the mix for, um, you know, they're not at that Alabama, Georgia level, but they are top half of the sec easily. Right. Um, What's, what is the, the class looking like for Auburn as they try to put together a group in a coaching transition? I mean, it's solid. I mean, I think that the, they, they are a program that had a chance to close pretty strong on signing day. And now, you know, we got to see kind of what happens um, because some of those guys that they were hoping to get, um, you know, they've got other opportunities. Coco's sitting here texting me like, how is Auburn landing commits without a coach? Um, I don't know. Who do they, who do they land? What have I missed? 
2022 kid. Oh, well, because people want to play for, I mean, it's still Auburn. Yeah. Auburn yeah. has some mystique. Auburn has some pull. Auburn still, if it's, you know, yeah. So, um, but they're, but they're currently, they currently have 12 commits and they're ranked 43rd in the country. And again, they got, they had maybe still have a chance to close strong, but, um, they've, they may have to be a February close, not a December close. By the way, the, the commit that Coca wants to know about is Jarrell Simpson, a three-star in the 2022 class national rank 479th. That's why. Yeah. That might just be, uh, some coach trying to prove he's, he's still working hard. Look, look at hey new coach. Look at, look at this commit I picked up yesterday. I hadn't thought about the running backs coach who's working his tail off trying to leave a good impression to maybe, hey, hey, I tell you what, this this player who's a part of your future, this, this is the reason why right here. This, this is the reason why you want to keep me around. Um, I don't know if that's actually the running backs coach. I'm just uh, using that as an example. Um, another one of the headlines from the day, Texas Tech coach Matt Wells, who... And I think that, um, Barton, you had used this as a line and it kind of rung in my head. Like Virginia Tech and Texas Tech aren't out of the woods yet. You know, we, we'll see what happens. So, so if Matt Wells is firing assistant coaches, including offensive coordinator David Yost, do you, do you think that that means Matt Wells is safe now? Like, do you, there's no way that you fire assistant coaches and then you yourself go on to get fired, right? Yeah, I think so. I, I apologize um, because I don't remember if, like who specifically reported this or whether this was just like slack room chat or what, but um, somewhere I saw that the, the word was that Matt Wells is in trouble, probably going to get fired because he wasn't willing to fire any of his staff. Mm. And so, per, and so perhaps he changed his tune. They said, look, all right, then you're, you're done. And he said, okay, well, then, uh, <laughs> call my bluff. All right. I'll office coordinators out. Hire a new OC, see what happens. Also, for Fuente, I think tomorrow is the day because if it happens or not, like if, if he if he survives tomorrow, I think he's back because like Andy Staples wrote in his column today that uh, tomorrow is when Fuente's buyout drops two and a half million. He goes right. from twelve and a half to ten. So, oh dear, Tuesday is the day of reckoning for Justin Fuente. Oh dear. Okay. What do we have going on tomorrow? I need to make sure I clear out about two hours uh, at some point, well, probably around like 10 a.m. Let's see. Tomorrow is my day off, so I just have to write the bottom 25 a <laughs> newsletter, a and then we've things. got the college football playoff podcast after where the rankings come out, and then I've got HQ in the evening. But other than that, I'm clear. Sounds like a pleasant day. Yeah, very pleasant day. And, day uh, off. <laughs> and so who's who are the candidates to replace Justin Fuente? We'll go ahead and we'll go ahead and fire Dane that Beamer. Up. Oh my God, he's going to be so <laughs> mad at himself. <laughs> Shane, it could have been us. All right. So one connection there was the fact that Art Bryles resigned from his uh, position, and now you know that would suggest that Art Bryles either would like to go somewhere else. And he was the head coach at Mount Vernon high school, by the way, in Texas, where's he going to end up? Is he a coordinator? Or is he a head coach? He's either going to be the offensive coordinator, at Texas tech, where there's been some scuttlebutt about that being a possibility, 
or there's going to be the head coach at Liberty as Brett McMurphy reported that if Hugh Freeze leaves for the Auburn job or any other job that might come open, that Bryles is the number one target at Liberty. So the fact that Bryles is resigning his position at the high school tells me that he feels pretty comfortable about where he's going and that I, I'm just my math. Cause like we've said, I'm, I'm you're convinced chip that Hugh freeze is going to Auburn. I'm convinced that Hugh freeze is going to Auburn. Barton thinks it's Kevin Steele, but I think that the, I think the Liberty job's open and I think Liberty's already kind of talked to art saying, Hey, Hugh's going, you're going to come in and replace him. There was a little, there was a little art Texas tech buzz, which is, which was like the head coach, the idea that he was going right. to replace our uh, Matt Wells. Right. But I do agree that this does seem a little too coincidental that, all right, Texas Tech's, they're attaining Matt Wells. No other jobs are necessarily open right now. I guess Texas Tech OC, you know, that could technically be one. But um, Liberty feels like maybe they've, maybe they've had some conversations or something. Well, former Baylor athletic director Ian McCaw, who lost his mm-hmm. job at around the same time and amid the same scandal that Art Bryles did, is the athletic director at Liberty. Mm-hmm. The day that the Art Bryles news to Liberty breaks... I'm going to close my tweet deck and throw my laptop into Lake Michigan. (laughs) And guess what? Pat Fitzgerald will be waiting for it. I got it, Tom! (laughs) (laughs) Um, Speaking of, before we we get to the National Signing Day stuff, a quick early line look ahead. Ohio State is a 20.5 point favorite against those Northwestern Wildcats. But that's not a line that really surprised me because that feels like a good line. The line that is the one that is going to get your attention is going to be Notre Dame as a 10.5 point underdog against Clemson in the rematch of a game that it won. Granted, it was not Trevor Lawrence, but DJ Uyunga Lele did throw for, you know, half a thousand yards in Notre Dame Stadium in relief of Trevor Lawrence. Um, I mean, 10.5. That's a, that's a, it almost, I'm doing circles right now thinking about it because first reaction, take Notre Dame. Notre Dame's one of the best football teams in the entire country. They've got so much experience. They executed a high level and Clemson is not perfect. But then I think they're trying to sucker me into taking Notre Dame because it's 10 and a hook. They really think it should be Clemson minus 14. Maybe I should take Clemson. And then I think that you think, and you think that I think, and I, I've got no idea what to make of this line. Well, like the original line for this game was Notre Dame five and a half or no, Notre Dame was five and a half point dogs. Correct. In South Bend. Yes. And now the game's at a neutral site and it's 10 and a half. Like, so Trevor Lawrence is worth five points to the spread and maybe he is, but my initial reaction to like, like you said, it's not even just the way do DJ Uyunglele played in that game. It's that it's not like Notre Dame won that game flukily. Right. They they were pretty much in control of a lot of it. And especially in the trenches, I felt like their offensive line won. I felt like their defensive front won. And if it wasn't for DJ Uyunglele, that game might not have been as close as it was. So, yeah, when I see a 10.5 point spread, and I think in some places it opened at about a touchdown, and it's been bet up to 10.5. Okay. Yeah. I, I think I'm with you, Chip. I haven't really dove fully in yet, but again, this is a matchup we looked at earlier in the year, so I don't know how much deeper I need to dive in, but yeah, I I'm very much leaning towards Notre Dame right now. 
Yeah. Maybe I even mean, a sprinkle. Right. I mean, can they not still beat those guys? I don't yeah, know. Maybe. Notre, do you think that Notre Dame could possibly win the football game? <laughs> the number two team in the country. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, no, that's, I like that. A little Notre Dame money line sprinkle. Uh, mm, I like that. Alabama is a 17 point favorite against Florida. Not enough. Uh, I agree. I think it is. Well, I think that's about right. You could get a Florida bounce back performance. It's going to, I'll tell you this. I'm seeing what 52, 35, something yeah. ridiculous like that. Like Connolly tweeted the other, yesterday about the uh, win expectancy for that game. And LSU, I think he said it was a 0.6% win expectancy. <laughs> he said it was the lowest all season of a team that won a game. So I, 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 I do think that that line might be a bit of an overreaction just to the result of it. But mm. I, I think Alabama's far and away a, a three score favorite. I just, don't think, you know, it's as big as it looks. I, I might be inclined to take Florida there, honestly. Mm. I'm not standing in the way, of Alabama. Not, I'm not saying I'm excited about it. Right. Uh, and then the Big 12 championship game, Oklahoma minus five and a half, the Pac-12 championship game, USC minus three. Uh, man, USC does nothing but, like, play in wild, close games, it seems like. I don't, that, that sure seems right. And then, uh, Oklahoma minus five and a half. I would, I'd be tempted to lay it only from at least for now before diving in and considering it for our locks podcast on Thursday, the old Gary Patterson line. It's hard enough to prepare for Lincoln once. If you have to play him again, after he's already seen your defense, you might be cooked. So on the, it's tough to beat. Oklahoma twice in the same season. I think, uh, I think I would take Oklahoma and that short line under a touchdown. Yeah. You know, I, these aren't two games that I think are big deal because they're not conference championship games, but I've already placed two bets for the week. That's against oh. your rule. I know <laughs> in well, the COVID one season, them, one of them's the under an army air force service Academy. Yeah. I got it at 38 and a half and it's still 38 and a half in some places, but it's going down. The other one I placed because when I saw it, I was just like, oh, okay. The lane train is a one and a half point underdog to LSU. I like that. I mean, like they're coming off a buy of sorts. They, they didn't have to play. They've had the extra week to prepare. LSU is coming off a ridiculous win over Florida in which they did not deserve to win. And I can't help but feel like if I'm just looking at these two teams, the way they're constructed right now and from what I've seen, Shouldn't Miss be the favorite in this matchup? I would think so. Wrong so team. So go ahead and get in on Ole Miss. And this, and now that he said it, the line's going to move. So if you were subscribed to the Cover 3 podcast, which you can get wherever you get your podcast, then you've listened to it first, and the market hasn't moved yet. You've gotten Ole Miss catching points. Are you kidding? You think LSU's going to win two games in a row? This LSU, after beating Florida the way they did? No way. It's like not Michigan state level principle of jumping on them on the other side after a big win, but it's not far off. It's at least the cousin principle. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, oh, Sunbelt championship game. Coastal's a three, three and a half point favorite against Louisiana. Coastal won the first game by three. Kind of a wild game. It was only 30, 27, but if I remember correctly, and this was earlier in the season, didn't it, wasn't it low scoring? Then it broke out and got a little shootout yes. down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Far, yeah, I think so. Yes. <laughs> <I can't. laughs> 
30 to 27 uh, was the result. Do you think Coastal can beat Louisiana twice? Yeah, it can. I'll probably be taking the Cajuns. On just some principle, like... Hard to go undefeated, Chip. That'd be Hard really impressive. If, if Coastal can finish this season undefeated, that would be, that'd be very impressive. And then, like, you, you know, if Tulsa can beat Cincinnati, all of a sudden, we're talking about Coastal Carolina in the New Year's Six. Do you think Tulsa can beat Cincinnati? I don't know if... Uh, I don't know. I mean, what's I mean, the spread in that game? That's at... Uh... That's at 14, 14 and a half. I wish nothing but good health to everybody, but I haven't really been able to trust that Cincinnati can meet thresholds these days. Kind of feels like a lot of Cincinnati games are getting canceled. Especially with Luke Fickle preparing for the Illinois job, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's going to piss off so many Bearcats fans. (laughs) Man can dream. Cincinnati's got a good recruiting class, and I'm sure it's going to be one of the storylines that's going to be discussed on the wall-to-wall coverage of National Signing Day on CBS Sports HQ, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. this Wednesday. It'll be 24-7 Sports top analysts leading the charge. That's Barton Simmons, Bud Elliott, Steve Wiltfong, Josh Pate, and many more. So when you want to see where your team's class ends up in the 24-7 rankings, it's going to happen live. Live on CBS Sports HQ. Rankings constantly updated. Plus, uh, Flip Watch, the rankings leapfrogs, and of course, signing alerts. We are going to be going full election day feel as we take you around the country to all of these big time signings on Wednesday. So no matter what school you root for, we'll have you covered with breakdowns of all teams on CBS Sports HQ. Again, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., wall-to-wall signing day coverage this Wednesday, December 16th. Winners and losers, top classes, and the prospects that are diamonds in the rough to remember. All of it will be discussed. Uh, You can watch CBS Sports HQ on the CBS Sports app or on your TV with your OTT device like an Apple TV or Roku or just right there on your mobile device through the CBS Sports app, cbssportshq.com as well if you want to put it up on desktop. We won't tell your boss. It is signing day coverage on CBS Sports HQ this Wednesday 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Coming up on the other side, we go into some of those storylines that are going to define the day. Next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So, National Signing Day, wall-to-wall coverage, Barton Simmons is ready the first thing that is on my mind is just a very simple numbers question because this is still very new in the early signing period world. Again, I, I guess I have to remind myself and others that it's the early signing period, Wednesday to Friday. You know, some of these announcements, we, they might be trickling in a little bit. They might get pushed by a day. We could go live to the local feed and then all of a sudden somebody comes out and says, hey, sorry, we're going to have to push this off a day. You never know. We might have an Alex Collins situation, but I either hope it happens or not. I hope for, <laughs> but uh, 
What kind of split are we expecting in terms of the top prospects signing versus deciding to push their uh, commitment uh, and their signature to the February signing day? So there's the, through the first uh, three early signing periods, there was, I want to say this, I'm trying to say this off the top of my head. I think it was 74%, 81%, 82% of the, um, potential FBS prospects end up signing. <clears throat> I don't know what the number would be this year. In a typical year, I would expect it to be about 80% again. I would anticipate, like one of the things that's interesting about the signing day is the idea that the players and the coaches don't really know each other quite as well as they typically do. Sure. And by know each other, I mean, they may, they may know each other personally better than ever because all they've had the chance to do is talk on the phone. But know what each other are getting themselves into coaches don't have quite as much assurance on size, height, weights, speed, testing, camp workouts. Players haven't been on campus for an official visit. Maybe haven't taken in a game, you know, just a lot of guys are just going in this side unseen. So what does that mean? Like, is it going to mean more guys hold off? Is it going to mean more schools hold off? Is it going? And, and plus we've got this coaching carousel that's full speed ahead right now. Um, Vanderbilt just hired a coach. Illinois is open. Auburn, of all places, is open. Uh, and so, usually, coaches have a couple weeks to get get their ducks in a row. This time, like a couple days, is best case scenario. And even more schools have schools like Virginia Tech are on the hot you know got the hot seat situation. So, I just think it could be a a day of some surprises. You never know. Sometimes we think it's going to be a day of surprises and everything goes according to plan. Sometimes we don't see anything coming and there's off the wall stuff. Um, but I would anticipate there is a potential for some, uh, some uncertainty over the course of the day. Is that uncertainty within like players in terms of where they're committed? I mean, the, I think, you know, could you see flips? Could you see decommitments? Could you see a guy that was supposed to sign, not sign? Could you see like the staff you, staff was expecting to be able to get the signature and it doesn't end up coming in those kind mm-hmm. of days. Like I had an interesting message from a group of five coach that told me that they've got X number of guys that they're sure are signing. And then there's X number of guys that are not signing um, until they hear what's going on with the upperclassmen and, and whether or not they're opting back in for additional years of eligibility because that might affect the playing time and opportunity. So like, there's just some weird little stuff like that, this cycle that is unique strictly to this cycle that will be interesting to sort of see how that uh, plays out on uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Do you think Corey Foreman's going to announce where he's going to go? Number one overall prospect? No, we'll see if he signs. Um, he may sign and see, keep it quiet, uh, but he is a very interesting one. He's got, you know, it's like, USC, Clemson, Georgia, LSU, Arizona State, and uh, but he is expected to announce on January second on NBC uh, for this All American Declaration show. Uh, but I think oh, who else is going to get in on this? So is this going to instead of the game on January second, mm-hmm. it'll just be like a, a de- draft day special? Yeah, it's a bunch of declarations, bunch of Zoom calls, uh, bunch of Zoom calls. Uh, so who else is going to be on it? Uh, Sierra Wright's going to be on it. He's another, uh, West coast guy. Um, Jardin Gilbert is going to be on it. He's Louisiana safety. Um, 
uh, Tristan Lee, who's a big time offensive tackle commit, is going to be on it. Um, there's about I want to say there's like 12 guys or something. Um, your boy's going to be on it, breaking it down. Uh, so we'll see for eight hours. Good sure. No, they just I think they're just just, <laughs> just making me do two. I'll take huh. that. I can I can live with that. You'll be game ready then after doing eight hours this week. Yeah, it'll be no sweat. Uh, you mentioned there's not too many surprises. Is it is number one just looking like Bama and Ohio State? And if we get you know seventy five to eighty percent, then I don't know how much more uh, you know distance there is. I don't have my class calculator pulled up. Great tool if you want to do the nitty gritty on twenty four seven sports. But the is is that pretty much it for the number one class this year? I think Alabama's probably got it locked up, but we'll see what happens. I mean, Georgia could do some, you know, they could make some moves and then sort of position themselves maybe for a later, later jump. Um, you know, LSU's got a chance to climb. USC's got a chance to climb. Um, you know, and so there, there's Florida's got a little bit of action out there. But, but no, I mean, it, in terms of number one, I think it's probably going to be tough to beat Alabama. What is but, LSU looking like? Because there was that haunting, uh, like, Ed Ogeron, what'd he say? He said, we might need some graduate transfers to come in mm-hmm. to, like, get, get you know, successful and, and play well in 2021. I mean, is that... That wasn't a commentary on their recruiting class, though. Okay. They're, they're, still, they're, they're still rolling. Okay. They're still all's well. Um, this is going to be a good class for LSU and they could have a good day. There's a few, there's a few, a couple running backs out there. They could, they could get a uh, cornerback once committed to Tennessee. They're trying to land. Um, they're in the mix for Corey Foreman. They're in the mix for his four-star kid named Mason Smith. So LSU's you know, recruiting is still chugging along now. Don't think Ed Ogeron forgot to do that this year. I mean, especially with that national championship ring, right? Like you could, you, you could still make sure you show it in the right camera spot. Anytime you're using your hands to talk on the zoom call with these recruits right, or right, with these right. uh, prospects, parents, uh, where, what about for, you know, we mentioned coaches on the hot seat. It, it seems like any of the talk that we had maybe a month ago around Tom Herman or Jim Harbaugh was, you know, things have calmed down. So what are Texas, what's Texas and Michigan recruiting looking like? And do, will we have any closer idea of what those classes are looking like at the end of Wednesday? I mean, Michigan's battling for a couple of guys. Like if they can get a running back named Donovan Edwards, that would be huge. That'd be a huge win. He's a top 50 kind of guy. They've got a kid named Xavier Worthy committed at the wide receiver position and Alabama's trying to flip him. So they need to hang on to him, but they're, they could finish with a top 10 class. And I know finish, finish, in the December period isn't, isn't the final product, but they're, they're still pacing for a top 10 class. And um, that's a, that's quite a statement for, for Michigan, for Jim Harbaugh. I do, I think it speaks to the power of, of Michigan because people are still, you still go to Michigan for more than just whoever the head coach is. There are other appealing um, reasons. They're going to grow the person. Michigan man, get to be a Michigan man. So that's still there. Do you think that uh, Clark Lee would be able to do anything for recruiting? Like in any of these head coaches that are just stepping in right away are going to be able to do anything for Wednesday? What does that even look like? When- I don't know, man. How many That's Notre a- Dame commits is he bringing to Vandy with him? How many is he stealing? <laughs> it's an interesting deal. And plus, what do you do if you step into that Vandy situation and you look at the commit list and you're like, uh, 
There's a couple of these guys I don't want. Like, are you you going to cut some guys loose two days before signing day? Like, do you have to just, I mean, because Vandy's got a big commit list. And I don't know. I mean, I think that there's some guys in there that are really good players. I think there's some guys in there that probably didn't have anywhere else to commit to. Um, and so you can't miss. You can't miss on players. Uh, so I, 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 that'll be a very interesting sort of predicament for him to deal with. And, and you know, I, I would imagine Notre Dame will be okay. Um, again, it's sort of Notre like the Michigan thing. Yeah, like they, they can, you know, they can survive without a D coordinator because it's still Notre Dame. You're still committing to Notre Dame. Um, not that Clark Lee won't be missed because I do think he is a really good recruiter, but um, it's still Notre Dame. I think that Brian Kelly had to know that this was coming and I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, do you think they promote internally? Because Clark Lee was promoted after Mike Elko left, right? Mm-hmm. right. And the conversation from Brian Kelly, if I remember correctly, is much more of the, you know, this has become our program's defense. And there very much is a mentality uh, to the development and to the, the way they handle their business, particularly on that side of the ball. Not all that different from how Chad Morris left Clemson, but Clemson was like, no, this is the Clemson offense now. I could see Notre Dame just promoting internally, right? I don't know who the, who their coach would be. Yeah, you could go. I mean, they went co co OCs with Tommy Reese and Lance Taylor at, um, you know, I, I think Reese calls the plays, but they went co OCs to replace um, Chip Long. They could go co host co DCs to replace Clark Lee with um, Terry Joseph as the safeties coach and um, uh, their D line coach, um, who I'm blanking on. Uh, but but is who's been there forever and is associate head coach and is recruits well and so it would make sense um, to go Cody sees if they if they're confident in those guys because um, that's a tough one like who you know it's it's it it is tough to 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 replace a guy like that um, and it is a little scary to go outside the family so we'll see we'll see uh, anything else that you're uh, keeping your eyes on or that you would want to you know, make sure that we're watching throughout the day on Wednesday in terms of uh, storylines or developments or teams that uh, could be really interesting. No, I mean that. That's I, I, again. I, I think it'll be. We're going to let the news take us where wherever the news wants to go mm-hmm. on uh, on Wednesday. And uh, you know, I think it seems pretty clean right now, but things have a way of getting, getting crazy on signing day. So, uh, everything's virtual. I wonder how the virtual, you know, the virtual press conferences will go virtual declarations will go. But, um, I think, uh, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what else to expect other than just, uh, let's see what happens. He is Barton Simmons. You can watch him on CBS Sports HQ all day Wednesday. Coverage from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. He is Tom Fernelli. You can follow him on Twitter. Uh, We will be at Tom Fernelli. We will be here Tuesday night doing playoff rankings reaction. We'll be here Wednesday night doing National Signing Day instant reaction. Thursday for the locks. And then, guys, it's conference championship Saturday. Then it's selection Sunday. So we'll have a playoff uh, and bowl reaction. Uh, It is Going to be a loaded week, are we not? No. Okay. I'm just. I was just fake celebrating having our selection <laughs> Sunday. 
<laughs> Selection Sunday, baby. It's always a grind. We'll be in here together and subscribe to it on the Cover 3 podcast to see how we're feeling uh, at, at the end of what will be a long and eventful week here on the Cover 3 podcast, CBS Sports HQ and CBSSports.com. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Zoop.